season one, Ramble Nine, Way of the Sword. Greetings, 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 and thanks for listening in to mm, Manga, the podcast about getting more people into more manga. This month's episode is about the Way of the Sword, and if you're a fan of swords and swordplay, etc., you know there are as many ways of the sword as there are blades of grass. But this month, this episode, I'm focusing on samurai. Why samurai? Well, the aesthetic, you know, of Edo Japan and samurai just overall, it's one thing, but the attitude, their mentality is just very appealing to me. The, the way of Zen and the Bushido code and facing death so calmly, even seeking out a worthy death, quotes of quotes. Even the sort of controversial thing of seppuku and taking your own life instead of living on in shame was kind of rad in some ways, but I'm not going to focus on that right now. Uh, quick heads up, I kind of foresee this episode being sort of long. Usually I'd care and try to you know, crunch it down, but I really fucking love samurai shit. I'm going to try and give these guys, these manga, the time they deserve. Right, so this episode I'm going to do top 5 samurai manga I read this month top five samurai manga I read before this year, and then in a little part two thing, I'm gonna talk about the top five swordsmen that, I, you know, that are pretty rad. Now, before I really get into it, firstly, I want to apologize for being a bit sloppy with manga details lately, like chapter count and staff names. A lot's been going on, but one should always give respect where respect is due, and anything worth doing is worth doing well. Uh, secondly, the genre is technically historical, like if you look into the tags and stuff for manga, I doubt you're going to really see samurai, you have to search historical, but when I'm talking about it, historical is pretty broad, so just to be clear, I say samurai. Right, so getting into it. Top 5 samurai manga read this month, uh, going in ascending order, from number 5, Kurozuka by Baku. Yume Makura on story and Takashi Nogoshi on art. This is a story that takes samurai, crosses it with vampires, and kind of just illustrates how far those two can go. It's based on two real life guys, uh, maybe even considered legends when I look them up. Uh, they have a bridge dedicated to bridge dedicated to them in Japan, and it's a statue and everything. So yeah, the two guys, Yoshitsune Minamoto and Saito Benki. Basically, the story starts with them trying to escape some pursuers, and in doing so, they end up shacking up unwittingly with a vampire, a lady vampire, and shit just gets crazy from there. I uh, don't want to get too into it, because it's, you know, one, it's just number five, and two, the story, if I'm being honest, wasn't all that outside of the romanticism and dark side of immortality. What I can say is that illustration over the eras that pass and how I do with a sword you know, a samurai changes over the millennia was pretty cool to see. It was pretty rad action, decent enough story wrapped up in just 40 chapters. Kind of a mid-cast, they didn't really, you know, build up on much, but as part of the story, in a, in a sense, you read it. But really love the concept and its illustration. Uh, for all you anime guys, it does have an anime adaptation, 12 episodes. But I can't speak on that and its quality or whatever, differences, blah, 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 at all. Never side. More of a manga guy, y'all know. Alright, number four. Gintama by Hideaki Sorachi. 
super popular in anime and manga circles in a lot of top 10s and 5s if you look them up. And if you've never heard of it, don't worry about that. There's lots of information out there that you've never heard of. And it's going to continue to be like that. So just enjoy your journey of life, you know. Anyway, Gintama is a story that unfortunately I can't speak too confidently on because I didn't finish. But, you know, despite a valiant attempt this month, reading a bunch of other stuff. And it having it has like 709 chapters. I got to 200 and something, but yeah. Um, Gintama is story set in futuristic Japan, but still somehow having a shadow of the Edo period aesthetic mixed in. It's meant to give a new take on the real-life events of Japan's borders opening, foreigners coming in, and that essentially leading to the downfall of the samurai. Except the foreigners here are literal aliens. <laughs> the story follows a samurai that previously fought in the war to keep Japan alien-free, who's now a deadbeat, Sakata Gintoki, a young, aspiring samurai whose dad died and left him a dojo in a world where swords are now banned, Shimura Shinpachi, and a pretty much orphaned humanoid teen alien named Kagura, super strong, all just barely scraping by, doing a bunch of very, very odd jobs. Gotta say, this shit is super funny, and so far, what I've seen is it's it's largely a gag manga, but you know, with gag manga, they do the switch, even you know, Dragon Ball. You know that kind of thing it flips the serious switch so well and what i really like about this unlike a lot of other samurai mcs and characters these guys especially the central mc of the trio gintoki or gin for short he has zero ambition they have zero ambition but they constantly stress and fight to the death with swords from everything from swords to rubber chickens to protect their simple way of life this is exemplified by the word Shinpachi's dying father left him in the very first chapter. He said, even if there comes a time when you must throw away your sword, never throw away the sword you have resting in your soul. And uh, I know it builds into an amazing story where almost every character they ever interact with pitches in and I'm probably underselling it like crazy, but if you want something samurai, but samurai like you've never seen, I guess contemporary samurai, Check it out. I, I hear it's worth the time, and so far it's proving to be so. Over the top gags and all. I mean, there's <laughs> they 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 go over the top with the jokes. But anyways, the anime peeps, anime is complete with only 201 episodes. It's no One Piece. It's still a lot, but 201. Yeah, you can manage it. And I'm telling you, so far I'm loving all the characters. I'm loving the action. I'm loving all of it. But you know, I I, I had to. I couldn't realistically put any higher because I'm not finished and I couldn't, you know, who am I? Anyways, getting into the top three now. Number three, Sengoku Yuko by Satoshi Mizumaki. Mizukami, I mean, Satoshi Mizukami, sorry, my dude. Anyways, he's a mangaka of Spirit Circle, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer, and a couple other stuff. And if you've been listening or if you know me in real life or if you follow me on social media, Spirit Circle is my favorite shit, never stop talking about it, but anyways, technically Sengoku Yuko is not a samurai story, it's leaning more into fantasy, but it takes place in that Edo era, and a Ronin is in the main cast, Ronin is not a samurai, it's more like a wandering samurai who doesn't belong to any lord or anything, but you know, they're in the main cast and there are a couple other actual samurai, so you know, bite me on my list, bite me on my list. Anyways, 
it's an epic it's it's epic somehow does an incredible story in just 100 chapters and really it's not surprising given the mangaka i'm seriously again check out his other work spirit circle i'll never ever ever stop talking about that i've read it like seven times i have all the physical volumes I, and i've read those separately from reading it online seven times i've read those like five times but anyways that's just 46 chapters and lucifer and the biscuit hammer which is pretty up there as well in my list finally got the anime this year only has 65 chapters but anyways this story Sengoku Yuko follows a demon named Tama trying to bring peace to the world traveling the land with a human named Jinka who's trying to become a demon and hates humans but because of his love for demons he does whatever Tama tells him to and further than the usual what is strength question that you you could say the way of the sword tends to boil down to sometimes this story looks at the question of what is a human, as the duo run into other humans and demons with their own perspectives and characteristics. Unfortunately, it's pretty hard to sell it more without getting too excited and babbling out the whole thing, but I have to say it's a brilliant story, admittedly a little bit, a little bit of a chop start. Great cast, great cast dynamic, dope action, average kind of art, if you know his art isn't like, oh, super detailed, but it just fits, it fits it, and I have to highly recommend it. Side note, this had one of the coolest, if not the coolest, dragon depictions and fights I've ever seen in manga ever. Just, you know, that's a selling point, if, you know. There's also a tiger that does martial art. Bro, shit is sick, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, number two. Number two. Ichigeki, aka One Hit Kill by Jiro Matsumoto. This was honestly an unexpected banger, as in my firm belief, philosophy, etc. is that by definition, the average manga is average, so when I pick up stuff, I just, you know, I'm just picking it up to pick it up. And I saw swords, so I'm just like, yeah. And you, you just gotta be thankful for the bangers when they come. But even so, especially for how shout short this was, I was really, really, really just blown away. The basic premise is that some peasants are brought in from the countryside to get some quick training in the sword, and used as a throwaway one-hit time, one-time hit squad. But after they survive and show some promise, they're trained more seriously and sent on increasingly important but increasingly dangerous mission. What I really love about this is how the story really highlights the caste system of the time, and that sounds weird to say, but a lot of samurai manga mainly focus on the samurai class and up, which I think, and I think a lot of people don't even recognize that there was a caste system back then. They, I mean, people say feudal Japan, but I don't think it clicks in their mind that, oh yeah, there was a caste system, like you couldn't just go up and down the ladder like that, it, it wasn't like that. And I think by the focus on samurai class and up in a lot of these stories, it paints the picture that some people just chose to pick up swords and others didn't. When really, for the most part, a lot of that was predetermined by birth. There were organized schools that only accepted certain families, and it was only in extreme off chances that a peasant could even get their hands on a sword, much less get formal training. But yeah, anyways, just, you know, I just had to point it out. Story and pacing was great and would even call it phenomenal, like, especially relative to the rest. There's a brilliant cast, brilliant cast dynamic. Really loved the way the peasants viewed themselves and were viewed by others over time as they became more established. And it was great action, pretty dope art, absolute, absolute banger in only 49 chapters. Highly recommend. Ichigeki, one hit kill. So dope. Anyways, uh, 
Number one, Kazuro Ukami, aka Lone Wolf and Cub, by Kazuo Koiki on story and Goseki Kojima on art. Uh, this is actually apparently like a classic samurai epic, and when you Google it, there's like a bunch of adaptations, movies, live actions, etc. And when I say epic, I'm not using it loosely just to like describe it. Like Sengoku Yuko is epic, but it's not an epic, you know. And when I say epic, I'm talking about like on the lines of thinking along the lines of the Iliad or Dante's Inferno, etc. So the story follows a famed samurai, Ogami Ito. He's the official executioner appointed by the shogun, and that's a that's a really fucking big deal. Like literally back in the day, literally just the shogun or those those youths saying like giving you like even a handshake that shit was like oh god it's crazy so him being like an official executioner just like yo just this is tough tough anyways he was framed defamed and now he's an assassin traveling the land on the path of revenge with his son daigoro now if you're familiar with epics you'll know they're quite long and to be honest when i started i was a bit confused like why is this dude out here carrying out assassinations with a literal infant? And is every chapter just gonna be him killing randoms? And do I really need to know the name and history of every prefecture and country or whatever that they travel to? It's just like, it really reminded me, and that's why, uh, you know, the epic comparison. It really reminded me of in the Iliad, if you've read it, that one chapter when they just listed off, like, all the boats and whoever and all the people that were there in the battles like a chapter just dedicated to, to who wasn't at the fight and there was like so many niggas at that fight but anyways it's a bit of a slow start for me especially as the mc was just super stoic you know that ideal samurai type beat and if you will but it's through that we see his character and what a true bushi slash samurai is through any danger and challenge he sees the duty through to the end even the decision not to kill sometimes in the face of certain death shows that character. Wildly enough as well, I have to mention, his kid is not a prop at all. He's like, has his own adventures, especially when he's watching his father on these assassinations or just in their, their travels, how he tires himself. He starts picking up those habits and sometimes he's alone. I remember him one time, he's like, some girl will just ask him to do something or somebody will ask him to do something. And because, you know, the samurai code is to carry it out he's just like, all right i'm gonna do that and he's just a kid and most of the time he doesn't say anything he's just silent and does the shit but anyways i have to say the action isn't the smoothest because it's very old but it perfectly it, it fits in that way it perfectly captures that old samurai click vibe phenomenal aesthetic and it becomes even more exceptional in the final few arcs when they're returning to actually go carry out that revenge that i'm talking about and it's some of the greatest dialogue around the meaning of Bushido I've ever seen. A small example I'll give is in a duel he has with another fallen samurai. He's asked what the right thing to do would be when caught in an ambush. Would it be to stand by your lord's side and defend them? Or leave your lord's side to go attack and take the initiative in battle? Both having equal chances of success and failure. It's 142 chapters. But because almost every chapter, especially early on, is isolated and almost feels like a movie, it can be a bit rough read, but definitely worth it. You may want to take your time. And I have to say, I actually started this um, last year, but I didn't get to finish in time. And then this month, I was just like, Samurai, I have to finish this because it was, I mean, yeah. But anyways, top five, that was it. But I have some honorable mentions here. Tenkaichi 
it has a super long name that I won't mention, but if you Google Tenkaichi Manga, you'll see it. It's so good. It's literally just a battle tournament, but um, they have all these legendary characters, you know, Musashi, you have the Ito, Ito Rio guys, you have the Yakyu. If these names mean anything to you, but these are some legendary people. And even if they don't mean anything, the action is so sick, it's drawn so well that you know, honorable mention. Elusive Samurai, just because I picked it up because Samurai, and it's the same guy who did Assassination Classroom. So far, I actually have to say it's a bit weird. I haven't gotten too far, but the art, it just feels very strange. I don't know how else to put it. But, anyways, Gantz E, which is Gantz, if you're not a big fan, um, I don't know what to tell you. You don't like, you don't like shit just being wild. Well, too bad. And it's Gantz in the Edo period, so I just I'm just interested. The art here as well is like it's getting even more inky in that weird printer way, but Gantz in Samurai is just something I have to see through to the end, no matter what. The last honorable mention is Sengoku Straits, not because it, I think it's good or anything, but because it's like a shoujo, and they try to make Odo no Oda Nobunaga like a pretty boy, which was. If you know Oda Nobunaga, if you don't, he's like one of the first great unifiers of Japan. So his depictions are usually like big buff guy, strong, ruthless, blah blah blah. And in this, he's kind of you know ruthless, quote unquote. But it's in that weird pretty boy way. And I just, I, I was just enthralled by that. Like what? How, how are they gonna play this? Yeah, those are some honorable mentions just you know, on the other side. But anyways, um, top five samurai manga before this year. I'm starting with number five, of course, Gamaran by Yusuke Nakamaru. I almost want to call this like a Hunter x Hunter, but for Samurai. But the only real similarity is the MC is trying to find his dad. Plus, in this, he's trying to kill his dad because they basically pulled an Itachi and killed his old squad. But anyways, I love this manga. Again, it's number five, so I'm not trying to get too into it. Plus. Really, for the most part, it's just a battle tourney. Nothing against tourneys, but fight, fight, fight gets a little tired over the years. You know, it's like, we get it. People people fight sometimes, and sometimes it looks sick, but I mean, story. What's the story here, you know? Anyway, why this is top five, though, is that along with really great art, I really love the detail put into the choreography and technique of the fights. As in, a lot of the time in sword fights, if they're not basically Pokemon battles, you know, niggas just jumping, flying around, shooting lasers out of their, their freaking swords and shit. It's like, it can be a little bland, despite the contextual meaning and weight of it all. Like, it's hard to really differentiate one swordsman from another mid-fight, because outside of their stances, they all just kind of look like they're swinging their swords pretty much the same way, and on occasion shouting random stuff, especially in manga. I mean, in anime, you know, you can add in all those stuff, but in manga, there's a bit of a... It's a bit static there. Well, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, Gameron takes the time to illustrate the characteristics of each style, their strengths, weaknesses, body motions, etc. to like the utmost. I really have to, really have to give that to them. It gives every fight, almost every fight, a really definitive, distinctive feel. And it's a solid story despite what I said about the tourneys. Great art, pretty dope cast, amazing action, and only 194 chapters. There's also an ongoing sequel called Gamera and Shura, but that's only has 25 chapters so far, and it really hasn't gotten anywhere yet. Anyways, number four, Sidu by Tsutomu. Tsutomu? 
Takahashi. This story follows two brothers whose mother dies in front of them as kids, leaving them with the last words, it is the fate of the weak to die, giving them an obsession with strength that leads them to claw their way up in the ranks of society. Really great pacing, great story, and amazing aesthetic, like amazing aesthetic, and an interesting art style that it's a bit inky, for lack of a better word, but it goes really well with the sword strokes and stuff like that. It just makes it make the sword strokes look so sick. And uh, some of the hardest drip I've ever seen for people in this era, as in usually outside of art being drawn really well, it's just like, oh, it's not Edo period. And I love the aesthetic, but they gave these guys super drip. And some of the meanest stare downs I've ever seen, like, you know, a zoom in on the eyes of, you know, the laser focus is important sometimes, and they did it. This had some of the meanest, meanest stare downs ever seen. It's complete with 269 chapters, but only 250 are translated to English. If you've ever, if you've been listening, you, you know, usually I'd say fuck the French here, but I'm, I've decided to tone down the hate, especially because um, these people, if they translate it, that means they cared. And if I really wanted to translate it, I'd, I'd go translate it or something. So sorry for France. I'll only hate you guys for imperialism and what you did to Haiti from now on. Don't worry about that. Fuck you guys, France, for what you did to Haiti. And I guess the Caribbean. You know, imperialism, fuck imperialism. That shit's crazy, man. Anyways, number three, Vagabond by Takehiko Inoue. Same mangaka who did Slam Dunk and Real. If you don't know those, also super great, but we're talking about Vagabond. Uh, this is something I'm always hesitant to mention because it's so good, it's so good, but it's almost certainly never going to be completed. Like, the last chapter came out like seven years ago. And there's so much other great stuff out there to see, but this is a definitive work of art. It'd be criminal to leave it off a sunrise. Like, it, I would just have to be, just, that'd be a hate on me if I left it off that. This story is based on the life of Miyamoto Musashi, a legendary swordsman. And I say legendary, as his feats for a self-taught peasant are just incredible. And then in real life, this eventually culminated in him finding, founding his own sword school, the, Niten Ichiryu, and that's roughly translated to Two Heavens as One. Such a sick name, Two Heavens as One. Anyway, but the manga doesn't really get that part. It's probably by far the greatest art in this list. Inoue is a master of the craft, and the investigation of the way of the sword and what it means to be unrivaled under heaven via Musashi's travels and encounters with other known legends like the Yakyu and Ito Ryu is, is truly enlightening. Brilliant characters and character dynamics, stunning art can never be understated how fucking great this art is. Brilliant dialogue, very engaging fights, and just an all-around brilliant manga. Besides the fact that a chapter hasn't come out in seven years, I cry every time. 327 chapters out and translated if you can handle that. You know, reading all that and then never, especially where they leave off, he's about to clash with one of the other Another legendary swordsman, like in real life, Sasaki Kojiro, uh, and they, you know, he's just about, they've just about gotten to the same location, and we're all waiting, like, come on, please. <sighs> but realistically, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Hold it out, hold it out. Maybe even a movie. Just, just stop the manga, give us a movie of that, that fight, and yeah. Anyways, number two. Shigeru Rui 
aka Death Frenzy by Takayuki Yamaguchi. This was only 84 chapters, but in case the name didn't give it away, the shit gets pretty fucking wild in this. The story revolves around the participants in the first fight of a deathmatch tournament. One being blind and limp, while the other only has one arm. We're shown the events that led to them being chosen to fight, and what they continue to swing their swords for in spite of their physical condition. And both of them starting out in the same sword school. It's fucking just so much tragedy in this. There's a lot of tragedy packed in here. Lots of gore, very clean art. I just felt weird about the anatomy sometimes, but it's very clean art despite pretty dope fights, like pretty dope fights, solid cast, brilliant story that really illustrates that sometimes the unbecoming struggle that is a samurai. And samurai is struggle sometimes. Now, number one, Blade of the Immortal by Hiroaki Samura. This has 207 chapters. It starts out just a little bit slow. And the premise is Manji is an immortal swordsman. What happens is he killed 100 people when he wasn't immortal. He, was, he just killed 100 people. I don't think he was all at the same time. They never get too into it in, uh, in the story. But because of that, he's cursed by an old woman with immortality who will only free him once he does some good. And basically, he's hired to be a bodyguard for this girl who, whose parents were killed by the Itoryu. So he needs to go find them and kill them. He, you know, is conflicted because he just got cursed for killing people. So he's like, he's killing people the right thing. Just because you say they're bad guys, that doesn't really mean anything. But he doesn't really have anything better to do, so he goes out and do it. And I gotta say, this is one of the sickest stories, art, dialogue, everything there. It has that stuff where there's so many factions that play. In these samurai stories, the shogunate usually gets involved. They're, they're you know, they're spies. They're trying to crush any uprisings, etc. And the Ito Ryu, one of my favorite, probably my favorite villain groups of all time in manga is because their belief, Ito Ryu means, is the one sword school, by the way. They don't care about face, you know, all that respect stuff. They're just about strength. And whatever you do, you just have your sword and you can join. You see me? And they're all about one-on-one -on -one fights. They're not really about the ganging up and raid raid. Because you'll see that a lot of the times um, where the samurai, they claim, yeah, we're all about courage, blah, blah, blah. But it's a pack of them coming after people and raid raid. And they're like, no, 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 no. One sword school. Have you and your one sword? If you have strength, you'll survive, you see me. And the story, it ranges from very, you know, sad, melancholy to, to very happy moments, close, tender stuff. But uh, and what I really liked, I guess maybe was the art. It was very interesting in that it's a little sketchy, but it's sketchy in the way that it shows the directionality of, of a fight or just someone walking. And it just gives it so much more. Um, the aesthetic here was incredible. The sword play, because Manji, he has like living so long or for quite a while killing all these people. He collects swords and uses them. The fight style is so interesting. The Itorio is made up of so many different fighting because um, they don't really care about katanas, whatever. They just say, oh, you have your one sword, one weapon, then you use that. Boom. Um, really great story. Uh, I'm probably underselling it again, especially because it's my favorite 
and I, I i i didn't even put notes i said just fucking wing it because it's so good i i don't have anything to say but please read that it's 207 chapters starts out a little bit slow but the pacing is so well there's so many factions it's just so many cool fights so many different um areas so much interesting geography i, I don't know what to say it's just something shit uh i wanted to speak a bit on the realities of the time after giving that list because you know top five top five gone but i think it I touched on enough of those realities because, I mean, feudal Japan wasn't that great place, especially if you're poor and a peasant. And as a samurai, you, you know, the whole honor thing is cool, but sometimes your boss was an asshole and they're just like, yeah, do this, do that. And they don't give a shit about the peasants and all of a sudden you're an enemy to, to the people. And it's just like, you never want to be an enemy to the people, you know, you're supposed to be defending honor and etc. But anyways, wrapping this up. Uh, it was a bunch of stuff I have spoke too fast. That's a problem I have. Apologies. But uh, I'll do the top five part in a little part two. Glad this episode didn't take as long as I thought. Uh, and I know this is about manga, but I have three anime movies I have to mention because of how dope they are. One, Sword of the Stranger. You probably saw that coming. I mentioned it in the last episode. So dope. So great. Two, Lupin the Third, The Blood Spray of Goman. Ishikawa. I did mention that in the last episode, but I didn't give the name properly. But you could have, I mean, I think I described it well enough. But that movie is so good as well. Um, that's probably where the thumbnail for this episode is going to come from. And then Ninja Scroll. That's like a 1993 movie. All three of those, super dope. The third one isn't really Samurai, but it, it's in the Edo period. And the person is that. I think they might be a Ronin. So, yeah. Anyways, finally, thanks for listening. Hope you found something new to enjoy or something you already knew but enjoyed hearing someone geek over. And share with a friend or even an enemy if you fuck with it. And all the places you can find me should be in the link tree. And shoot me a message if you want to geek out over some shit or you want to put me on and have a good one, you know? Yeah, that's all you can ask. Alright, this part two, this little part two here is just uh, top five swordsmen. And I decided not to have it just anime and manga guys, just wanted to mix it up because there are a lot of swordsmen out there and they're all pretty cool. Uh, getting right into it. Number five, Squall Leonhardt from Final Fantasy VIII. Why? It's pretty simple. He has a gun sword. It's fucking cool as shit. Enough said. <laughs> Number four, Miroku 7 from the Get Backers. This is actually like seven dudes in one body. It's like this nigga is six niggas like that <laughs> not like pain like six different people so, yeah and anyway he has a couple cool like dope ass shit like one of them maybe that'll be spoilers but one of them his sword basically it turns everything into nothingness so that was just so sick uh moving on number three mipune from soul ito dope as shit he uses like a thousand swords and googles them, sorry, <laughs> juggles them with, with with each other. He's just juggling, throwing these swords around, this dope as shit. It's like, what the fuck? Anyways, also, his soul is worth 99 other souls, so that's just like a dope thing. Anyways, number two, Kamizumi Nobutsuna. This is actually a real dude. 
he shows up in Vagabond and the Tenkaichi manga I mentioned. Uh, he's also known as the Sword Saint. So dope. In Vagabond, just a couple of quotes just to show. It says, my sword is one with heaven and earth. And in Tenkaichi, what he does is called the Gate of Celestial Awakening, where, whereby respect him because he realized he needed to distance himself from the sword a bit and understand the fundamental nature of, of everything to truly become a dope swordsman. Dope as shit, especially in Tenkaichi. He, he only started fighting like in the last three or so chapters. Definitely recommend Tenkaichi. I couldn't put it in my list because it's really short. I think there's only like maybe 16, not more than 20 chapters out, but it's some dope as shit. Anyways. Number one, anybody could probably guess this. Number one, Sephra from Final Fantasy VII. Do I need to say more? I don't think so. And that's it, top five swordsmen. <laughs> uh, maybe you can share me, share yours with me. But yeah, top five swordsmen.